What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Woj and Shams Charania have been trading blows, like two heavyweight fighters in the ring, just trading blow after blow, trying to drop as much news and speculation and just NBA bombs as possible ahead of the NBA draft, which is tonight. Over the past couple days, we had one huge, we had two blockbuster trades and then a couple of uh, chess piece moves for some other franchises. We're getting a lot of speculation between who's going where. James Harden wants out of the Rockets. So does Russell Westbrook. What do they do? Uh, who do they ship them to? And considering their contract situation, the options are kind of limited. They're also two like superstars, so you're not gonna they're not gonna be easily traded. You gotta give them a huge haul. But we'll get we're we're gonna go into all those picks and then of course NFL week ten at the end of the episode. So now NBA draft, as I said, is tonight being held virtually. Gonna be extremely weird. Uh, and it's gonna obviously already is uh, a draft unlike any other that we've seen. Uh, Lamelo Ball's finally gonna be drafted, which it feels like he's been talked about forever, and he's been overseas. He's been in the playing high school in the U.S. and then he went pro in uh, Australia. It was all very weird for him. He's he's definitely had a unique journey, but he'll finally join his brother Lonzo in the uh, the NBA. And this, I have a mock draft up now, and we can run through the lottery real quick. Uh, maybe, yeah, well, we could just do the top 10 for now. Uh, this is from CBS Sports. First one that I pulled up. They have LaMelo going one to the Timberwolves, which I personally don't think is going to happen. I think Anthony Edwards should be the, if the Timberwolves were to keep this number one pick, which I, I don't see why they, they wouldn't, um, I mean, if they're, I, I kind of would, I would flip it if I was, to, I'd, if I'm the Warriors and the Timberwolves, I'm trading the picks, in my opinion, because you're the Timberwolves, like, what do you need right now? Like, you could, t- you could trade the number one pick for a bag of, fir- like, two first rounders probably this year, or first round of this year, the first round of next year, uh, like, you can, you can get a nice haul of picks for the number one right now. Uh, especially from a team that needs a point guard. But you don't need a point guard. You have D'Angelo Russell. You have Carl Anthony Towns. There were rumors that uh, the Wolves were trying to ship out Jarrett Culver for and a, and a later draft pick in this round for the first round pick. Well, Jarrett Culver and the first for uh, this first and like a better player. So I, I don't know. They, there's those rumors. But I, I personally don't think that LaMelo Ball... Like, why? I don't know. I, I don't know why the Timberwolves would take him, number one. If they took Anthony Edwards, that's a different story. If you're taking Anthony Edwards, that makes a, a lot more sense for the Timberwolves because, like I said, you have D'Angelo Russell and you have Carl Anthony Towns. Those are pretty much your one and two, Cat and then D'Lo. Uh, and if you take Anthony Edwards, you plug him into the two-guard spot and he's a guy who's already proven he can shoot, he can cut, and drive to the basket. He is not your average 19-year-old. He is built. And he's he's always been, if you read the ESPN article on him, he's always been that way even since he was a young kid. He was always thicker and stronger than everybody else, right? He was never like this frail, skinny kid who happened to grow to be like 6 foot 6, 6 foot 7 and have a 40-inch vertical. Like a lot of these young NBA players are, uh, a lot of these college kids, they come out of high school not having worked out a day in their life, and have just been sheer athleticism and or or shooting ability, either either one, maybe even both, uh, but never strength. Unless of course it was like some crazy like James Wiseman, who's like seven foot one and is a behemoth of a person. Um, but for guards, it, it's never really like that. For Anthony Edwards, it is. You know, he. I don't think he will have as much of a problem adapting to the strength of NBA players as 
some other rookie two guards might. Uh, LaMelo Ball, a little bit of a different story because he's six foot seven and he's a point guard. So he is going to be going up against guys a lot smaller than him most of the time. Uh, but when he goes up against a guy who is is strong like Eric Bledsoe or uh, maybe even like a John Wall or Russell Westbrook, guys who are bigger point guards, he might have some trouble. But that's not well, that's not till down the line. Uh, anyway, I think the Wolves should take Edwards number one. I think the Warriors should trade trade their pick from the number two spot because, like, what what are you doing, right? Like, is anyone you take in this number two spot going to greatly benefit your franchise for the foreseeable future? No, it's not. Your franchise is still built around Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, your two guards. Now, I get adding James Wiseman. He's a versatile center. He's proven that, you know, even though he's kind of inconsistent, he can shoot. He has some range, and he's a big dude. He's seven foot one, 240 pounds. You'd like him to gain some weight, obviously. 240 pounds at seven foot one's not that big, you know. Guys like LeBron weigh 240, and they're six foot nine, six foot eight. Um, and that's kind of unfair to compare to LeBron, but you know what I mean. But, like, he's not going to be the guy to, like, suddenly catapult the Warriors into title contention. So I would trade that pick and try and get some more role players around Steph and Clay and even Draymond because Draymond is, is still a key part of that team. I know he's, he got hurt last year. They all were hurt last year, struggled a lot. People are going to be sleeping on the Warriors now because that's how the NBA is. Right, a player goes down, you kind of forget about him. And it's not until they come back and have to prove themselves, which sounds ridiculous, right? Because these are the Golden State Warriors. This is a team where these guys, they won uh, 70, what was it, 74 games, 75 games, NBA championships. Uh, and Steph Curry is a guy, won back to back MVPs. People are suddenly forgetting that he is, you know, Easily the best point guard in the NBA. Like I get he had injuries, whatever, but like this this guy is incredible, right? He's just like a, a natural shooter, and that doesn't just go away. Like he's gonna come back and be dominant. Everyone will be like, oh yeah, I remember now. But if the Warriors end up picking with the two slot, James Wiseman is the guy, and there have not been many successes from the two slot in the past few drafts, or in the past, honestly, in the past decade, the only guys who have succeeded are Brandon Ingram and D'Angelo Russell, uh, but they're not with the teams that drafted them. So it's it's weird. It's very, very weird spot. And since 2010, this is the list, from 2010 to present day, Evan Turner, who... You know, obviously did not live up to a number two overall pick, but he's carved himself out a nice NBA career as a as a journeyman, a role, a, a pretty good role player. Uh, Derek Williams, who's out of the league, and you know he bounced around from a couple of teams before before gone. He's been out of the league for a couple of years now, I think. So short career for him. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who uh, was with Charlotte for a long time since he was drafted up until recently. Now he's on the Mavericks, but he has still, he came into the draft as a uh, a high defensive guy, right? People loved him for his defense, his size and length. Obviously his shooting form was completely broken, probably one of the worst jump shots in the NBA, but now he's kind of fixed a little bit where he can hit a three. We saw it during the NBA bubble. Uh, so he's a, a reputable role player, again, role player. Victor Oladipo, uh, he's thrive, or he was on the up-and-coming a couple years ago, he seemed like he was going to be the star for the Indiana Pacers. And just kind of, he got injured, been dealing with injury. He had a major leg injury and then has had lingering injuries in the past couple years now. Uh, and he's just trying to get back 
to that player that he was. Uh, but he even has bounced around for a couple teams. He was drafted by the Magic, traded away. He was in Oklahoma, and now he's in Indiana, back where he attended school. So, and there were rumors about him floating around, uh, wanting to be traded. He debunked those, but who knows? Uh, anyway, that was 2013, 2014. Jabari Parker, another guy, huge promise at Duke, and even his first year in the league. Then he tore his ACL twice, I think, in in both both knees. He tore his ACL, just really just crippling injuries that he had in the beginning of his career. Uh, but he's managed to work his way back into. Uh, he's a respectable player, but again, he's like an eighth, a seventh, eighth guy off the bench. Like he's not getting a whole lot of minutes for whatever team he's on, which I think is the the Kings or the Bulls. I don't even know what team Jabari Parker on it is on now. He jumped around a lot uh, in the past few years, and he's on the Kings now. So I was right. I think he was on the Bulls maybe last year, but he uh, he's bounced around. Quite to quite a few teams after being drafted by the Bucks. 2015, D'Angelo Russell, an all-star, of course. Um, and I think Oladipo was an all-star also. So him and Oladipo and Brandon Ingram, which is the next pick, these are three guys that have been the only successes, but it's taken them a, a little bit. You know, it, they didn't... Ingram and D'Angelo Russell... Both by, drafted by the Lakers in back-to-back years. D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell had the whole Nick Young debacle in the locker room. Um, they shipped him off to Brooklyn, who at the time was a disaster. And the Nets and D'Angelo Russell were able to rebuild themselves together. And D'Angelo ended up becoming an all-star uh, a couple years ago. Or last No. Yeah, last year, right? Last year, 2019. Um, and... He was uh, phenomenal, and I th- now he's considered a-, a top point guard. You know, people kind of forgot about him when he got shipped off from Oakland, not Oakland, uh, <laughs> Golden State to Minnesota. He got a couple injuries that, uh, you know, racked up, and he missed some time. But he'll be back with Cat full strength this year. So now he is, is an established point guard, but... Obviously not with the Lakers. Brandon Ingram, same thing. He was part of the Anthony Davis deal. And he won most improved player this year. Bumped up his stats from like 16 points a game to 23. Uh, He's a scoring machine now in in New Orleans, right? He can get a bucket any way he wants. So he's a draft pick that, as a player, he's worked out, just not for the team that drafted him. Lonzo Ball making improvements, but not nearly the explosive offensive player he was in UCLA. Marvin Bagley, uh, like, he's he's okay. But again, like, this is a guy that was taken second overall ahead of guys like Trey Young and Luka Doncic. And then John Morant, he is uh, clearly working out for Memphis. So I guess four guys in the past 10 years, though, uh, not not great. Not great. All right, let's just run through the rest of this mock draft for CBS. Anthony Edwards to the uh, the Hornets with the third pick, which honestly wouldn't be too bad if the Hornets were able to get him. Obi Toppin, uh, Dayton. If you're not familiar from with uh, from him, he was with Dayton to the Bulls at four. I don't know who this guy is. Denny uh, Avija. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Probably not. From Israel, he's a six nine small forward. Going to Cleveland, of course. Cleveland would be projected to get. Uh, of the foreign guy. Tyrese Halliburton, Iowa State to the Hawks at six, which doesn't which doesn't make any sense. Halliburton's a, a good point guard. I don't know why you would want to put him with Trey Young just as like a backup. That makes no sense. Isaac Okoro, small forward from Auburn, seventh pick to Detroit. Killian Hayes, point guard from France. The eighth pick to the Knicks, which I've heard a lot of good things about Killian Hayes, but knowing the Knicks luck, uh he'll stink. The ninth pick, uh, Washington, Onika or uh, Oneka Okonkwu. I can't pronounce that first name. Uh, Okonkwu, center, USC. And then Sadiq Bey, or B. I always forget how to pronounce it. 
uh, Sadiq B, Villanova small forward to the Suns at ten, which would uh, that would be that would be great. Um, he's a good uh, three point shooter, guard multiple positions, and for the Suns, they need they need a wing player because they just traded everybody away, and that's what we're gonna get into right now. So the first ones to make moves were the Lakers, and they ended up trading Danny Green, uh, who was on the podcast, of course. They traded him, uh, and I said last week, I think, that he had an expiring contract. Uh, I think this is the final year of his contract, so his contract is expiring after this year. He had one more year than I thought he did. Uh, So they're shipping Danny Green and the 28th pick to Oklahoma City for Dennis Schroeder. Then, the Suns traded for Chris Paul. So, Oklahoma City involved in some wheeling and dealing. Chris Paul gets shipped to Phoenix. So, Devin Booker finally playing with a point guard who not only can facilitate and run the offense, but also can create his own shot offensively. So, that's going to be incredible to watch. Uh, The Suns are suddenly now a real playoff team. And, of course, there was all that talk after their performance in the NBA bubble going 8-0. and uh, Still, unfortunately, missing out on the playoffs. But people were put on notice about Devin Booker and about Monty Williams, their head coach, and how the Suns are really progressing as a team. And now they go and they trade for Chris Paul. Um, the deal involves Phoenix sending Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome, and Jalen LeCue and draft compensation to Oklahoma City for Chris Paul. So, more picks for Oklahoma City, and now they just have a gold mine of draft picks to trade for people, to use, whatever it is, to up it for the next five years. So, 2020, this draft, they have the Nuggets' first-round pick, and the Lakers' first-round pick. In 2021, they have their own, the Heat's first-round pick, and a pick swap rights for Houston. 2022, their own, Clippers first, Suns first. 2023, their own, Clippers pick swap, Heat first. 2024, their own, Clippers first, Houston first, And 2026, I guess they don't have any draft picks in 2025. 2026, their own Clippers first, Houston first. So a whopping 17 draft picks in the next six years. First round picks. An incredible job by by Sam Presti, man. He's been just hoarding draft picks. It's disgusting. And speaking of disgusting, this, this next deal made me want to vomit. Like I don't understand this one at all. Um, but Milwaukee traded for Drew Holiday, Pelicans point guard, uh, incredibly solid and underrated player, Drew Holiday. But the haul that they gave up for this man's is mind-blowing. Truly mind-blowing. Milwaukee sends Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three first-round picks, and two more pick swaps. Five draft picks for Drew Holiday. Five. Like, this is this is something that the Lakers gave for Anthony Davis. This is not something, like, this is what Drew, Drew Holiday's made one all-star team. Like, I, I know I just said, underrated guy he is he's an excellent basketball player and underrated for sure but all in all he's made one all-star game and you're giving up five first round draft picks I I just I I don't understand I don't understand on top of of two two players and Giannis hasn't even signed the Supermax so like what you you gotta be the only Reason why I could possibly think the Bucks make this trade, giving up this much of their future, is they know or Giannis has told them that he is signing the Supermax. 
And the deadline, I think, to sign, I was reading, I think, is December December 20th, which is two days before the season starts. So he must have told them or his agent must have told them that they're going to sign it. And they went and made this move to get him uh, a huge upgrade at point guard, honestly. He's better than Bledsoe, better than George Hill. But I can't help but think you could have avoided giving up all those draft picks if you just re-signed Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, that that is clearly a blunder on the Bucks front office part to not sign him. And instead, they signed Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez, who now only one of them remains. And Brooke Lopez is like, whatever kind of player, you know? He's not going to make or break your team. Um, but they go get a, whatever it is, they get a huge upgrade at, at point guard with Drew Holiday. But just the haul that they got, that New Orleans got from them is... It's mind-blowing. I mean, this just set the market sky high for teams looking to trade for people, right? So you have this tra- you have this trade, this huge blockbuster trade where New Orleans gets a haul. And then, oh, by the way, you also have the Rockets dealing Robert Covington for por- to Portland for Trevor Ariza and two first-round picks. A twenty, a twenty twenty, and a twenty twenty one first round pick, and Ariza for Robert Covington. So Robert Covington is now commanding two first round picks in a trade. I mean, what? Let's let's get into this trade speculation now with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. James Harden has been clamoring, trade me to Brooklyn. Apparently, the Heat that is their his number one. On his wish list is to get traded to the Brooklyn Nets to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So he wants to leave Russ and go to Kevin. <laughs> Which Russell Westbrook has come out and said that they're still boys. They just realized that this is not going to work in Houston. Which kudos to them if they can still maintain, if they can, you know, keep. And if there's, honestly, if there's any two players that are able to keep uh, business and friendship separated, uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden seem like the kind of guys that could probably pull that off. Uh, but Russ has come out and maintained there are no hard feelings. They still love each other. They're still boys. Uh, they just recognize that it's not going to work in Houston, which is pretty cool. Uh, like I said, kudos to them for being able to come to that conclusion and not be bitter towards each other, you know? Um, but now... James Harden wants to go play in Brooklyn. Russ just wants to leave. And I don't know where Russell Westbrook's going to go, but there's talks that the Wizards want to swap him with John Wall. Given their contract situation, that could work, although I'm not sure Russell Westbrook is going to want to go to Washington. Um, And then there were rumors that Charlotte was interested. Michael Jordan wanted to get Russell Westbrook down there in Charlotte. I I, I don't know, man. I have no idea what the speculation with Russ is, who he's going to end up going to, but it's clear that with Daryl Morey being gone in Houston, that was the first first piece to get knocked off. And now they're probably just going to clean house. But given the halls... First of all, given given the trade they got for Robert Covington, you get a reason two first round picks for Robert Covington. The the command that you're gonna have to give you're gonna have to give up an arm and a leg for James Harden and Russell Westbrook. People are talking like, oh, you could just ship ship Russell Westbrook for anyone and anywhere. He was all NBA this season. Like this is not just some washed up scrub point guard who you're trying to get rid of their you're trying to shed their contract. Like he is, he is still a high level player, so you're giving all that up for Robert Covington, and then Drew Holiday again, a guy who has made one All Star team, gets five, gets three first round picks and two pick swaps for him, on with two players on top of it. Like, what could a team possibly offer for James Harden or Russell Westbrook? What could it be? Six first round picks. You have to trade. You're you're trading your whole future for 
a 31-year-old... I mean, I understand both of them are still elite players right now, but they're they're in their young 30s now. They're both, I think, 31 years old. So you're trading... What, are you going to trade away six years of draft picks? And then by the time like they, they finish their career, hopefully with you... They're like 36 years. I, I don't know, man. Like that's such a that's that's such like a risky move to trade that much away. The only way I can consider like the only way I can see Harden Harden's not going to the Nets first of all. That's just never going to happen because the Nets just are not willing to give up. I mean, first of all, no, they probably are willing, but they don't have what it takes to get someone like James Harden. You have Durant, you have Kyrie Irving, and then after that you got a bunch of role players and not re- not any real significant draft capital. So something you could package around like Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. Like I, I don't even know who's after that. Right? Like what is enticing to give up James Harden? It's it's so complicated because Drew Holiday and the Pelicans just, you know, completely inflated the trade market. So everyone's going to be coming asking for like two first round picks for any type of decent young role player. And for James Harden, like you're if you don't get at least five draft picks for James Harden, you lost the deal. Right. And a player, maybe even two. Something similar to what Drew Holiday just got for James Harden. It's just a very bizarre situation, but we do know that for sure it's falling apart in Houston because Russ has already come out and said that he doesn't want to play in Houston anymore, and James Harden declined an extension on his contract, which would have made him uh, the first $50 million a year player in the NBA. Now, I think in a couple years Damian Lillard is his salary is going to go up to above 50 million with the contract that he signed last year. And James Harden could have had that this year, but instead he's only making like a measly 41 million like instead. Yeah, he took a real took a real pay cut there for not accepting that extension. So that's all the uh the trading, wheeling and dealing that went on. It was late night too. It was right after Monday Night Football that these trades started popping off. And like I said, Shams and Woj were just trading blows, man, like heavyweight fighters. It was pretty pretty incredible to watch uh, unfold on the internet. But anyway, NFL Week 10. Uh, yeah, hard to believe we're already in Week 10. Kind of crazy. Uh, feels like the season's flying by. But here we are. Uh, Thursday night game, Colts-Titans. Titans got demolished. I'm getting sick of watching Phillip Rivers throw the football, and that backfield is crazy. Like, Naheem Hines went off, but, like, I I don't understand what Frank Reich does, right? Because he, Jonathan Taylor has, like, three good runs in a row. He has a good opening drive, and then they take him out. And then he comes back in, eventually, like, four drives later, has like two 10-yard runs, and then trucks a guy, trucks a DB, it goes viral on Twitter, and then they take him out again. Like, I I just don't understand why he's not getting more touches. I really don't. I have no idea what they have against him. Uh, But the Colts ended up winning 34-17, so Colts' playoff hopes still alive. Titans are still in the lead. Both teams 6-3. Giants-Eagles. The Giants played, they played a great game. Daniel Jones, second game in a row without a turnover, which is something that is sad to make a big big deal out of, but we are making a big deal out of it. He's protecting the football. He's not making dumb throws, trying to make something happen when there isn't anything. Uh, he was 21-28, so also accurate, 244 yards. He also had a rushing touchdown, a 34-yard rushing touchdown, and he gets people on that on that read option, man, a lot. Even the camera guy, all the time, every time he keeps the ball, the camera pants to the running back, and then all of a sudden it's got to like whip up because 
Daniel Jones is running <laughs> running up the seam. And uh, he, he's gotten a few teams, multiple teams like that, a, a few times. But he has, he him and Lamar Jackson are tied atop the league for most 30-yard runs by a quarterback, of course. I think it's by a quarterback. I'd be shocked if it was by anyone. Um, but he... He's been great, and he all he would have had another rushing touchdown had it not been called back for holding. But the defense played out of their minds. Uh, Carson Wentz stinks. He was twenty-one to thirty-seven. He's so bad, dude. Miles Sanders is very good. I feel bad for him because it's just not working out. Um, Darius Slayton for the Giants. I I think he's a real deal wide receiver one. The guy is a very good wide receiver, so a bright spot in that Giants offense. And also, tip of the cap to Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman, you know, tough situation with him. You got to back up Saquon Barkley. Obviously, that's not fun if you're looking to try and actually play the game of football. And now, he's in. He's getting majority of the carries. And the guy runs hard. He just runs hard. And I, I respect him. And I uh, tip my cap to Wayne Gallman because he's been he's been solid, especially the past uh, few weeks. But the Giants are now three and seven. The Eagles are three five and one. Giants are on a bye this week, so if the Eagles lose, the Giants could find themselves one game out of first place in the NFC East, which is again disgusting. But they have a bye this week. They come back and play the Bengals, the Seahawks, the Cardinals the Browns, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. So they can come off the bye, beat the Bengals. Then you got the Seahawks and the Cardinals back-to-back week, which is going to be real tough, real, real tough. Browns they could probably beat. Ravens, probably a loss. And then they got to beat the Cowboys to end the season on January 3rd. Uh, But who knows, man. With the way this is trending, the Giants might end up making the playoffs. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Browns Texans another gross game for the Browns last week they lost to the Raiders like 13 to 6 or whatever it was and this week they beat the Texans 10 to 7 just just a gross game uh, Lions Washington Matt Prater kicking I think it was a 59 yard field goal to beat the, the football team so Lions again they're, they're crawling back, man. They're staying around that 500 area. DeAndre Swift had a hell of a game. Uh, his first game, the bona fide starter where he was outright t- uh, told by Matt Patricia, who also told the media that DeAndre Swift was going to be the guy moving forward in the backfield instead of splitting a lot of the carries like they had been. It's his job now, which rightfully so. The kid's a beast. He had 16 carries, 81 yards, and he had a bunch of receiving yards on top of it. Good dual threat out of the backfield. Packers barely beat the Jaguars 24-20, to although Jacksonville's uh, special teams did score a touchdown, so can't really blame it on the defense um, saying, you know, why are you allowing 20 points to Jacksonville? But the offense kind of looked a little funky. Rodgers threw a really bad pick um, where it was an out route, and he threw it late, and he threw it behind his receiver, and it was an easy pick for Jacksonville. Uh, so kind of an uncharacteristic throw from Aaron Rodgers, but regardless, Green Bay comes away with the win. They're seven and two. Jacksonville one and eight, creeping closer and closer to that first overall pick. Although I think they might end up with the second pick because what do you have? Houston's two and seven. Jacksonville's one and eight. Uh, the Jets obviously are winless, so they'll probably lock up the number one pick. But other than that, uh, I don't know. That seems to be the top three right now. Bucks blew the doors off the Panthers. I mean, this is what happens with the Buccaneers, right? They get absolutely shellacked by the Saints on Monday or on Sunday night football, and then they come back the next week and hang 46 on Carolina's head. They're seven and three. Uh, Raiders beat the Broncos 37 to 12. One of those games where Derek Carr didn't have to do much. Uh, he threw the ball 25 times or 154 yards, but Jacobs. Uh, Homer and 
uh, Richard, no, Richard actually might have been injured. But they just, regardless, the two backs for Oakland just, they ran the ball all over Denver. Could not stop them, which is very uncharacteristic. Usually Denver uh, gives opposing running backs a difficult time. Dolphins and Chargers. Tua gets another win. The Dolphins are 6-3. and three, And that defense is legit. They were giving Herbert fits. Um, granted, they still put up 21 points, but still... Dolphins defense, their special teams, very, very, very well-coached team. And shout-out to Brian Flores. Salute, because that guy has been an incredible head coach. Just has built a winning culture for Miami. And my my friend Riley is a very good Dolphins fan. And he actually points out with the Giants, Joe Judge, what he's doing is similar to what Brian Flores is doing. Bad teams play hard and improve every week. That's how you know you have a good head coach. And that is what Miami has been doing since Brian Flores took over. And you can see it this year with the Giants, with Joe Judge. They started off really poorly, but they went out and competed and played hard to the end of every game. And aside from that 49ers loss, they haven't been getting blown out. So they go out, they compete, they play hard, and the past four weeks now, they've played hard and even racked up a few wins. So you could see it with Joe Judge, and I I also agree. I think Joe Judge is the right man for the job. Um, But Brian Flores for this Dolphins team, man, they have their quarterback in Tua. Who knows what they're going to do with that top draft pick from the Texans. Um, But they they have a bright future because that defense is legit. And the offense, Devontae Parker is a legit wide receiver. They got a a nice little backfield with uh, Gaskin and Breida. And now even this guy, Salvin Ahmed, who came in and ran for like 80-plus yards against the Chargers off the practice squad, I think he was. So Dolphins, bright future for them. This is the game that was probably the craziest of the day. Cardinals-Bills. End of the game, two seconds left or five seconds left. Kyler Murray snaps the ball, rolls out, chucks it 50-plus yards into the end zone. Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer all back there covering DeAndre Hopkins for a Hail Mary, and somehow Hopkins comes down with the football. That also lost me my fantasy game this week, which really sucked, but... Catches it in the end zone over three defensive backs. And they're not scrubs either. Poyer, Hyde, and White are all good defensive backs for the Bills. Probably the three best defensive backs that they have. And somehow, somehow, I I could not tell you, DeAndre Hopkins comes down with this football. And Arizona ends up winning 32-30. So after after a drive by Josh Allen leading the Bills down the field, throwing a touchdown to Stephon Diggs in the corner of the end zone to give them the lead, somehow, somehow, a Hail Mary prayer from Kyler Murray gets caught by DeAndre Hopkins. I just, I, I don't know how that happens. And if the, you're the Bills, like, that is an absolutely brutal loss. You're looking at 8-2, and two, and then all of a sudden you're 7-3. and three. Like, that, that sucks, man. But this was... A must, maybe not a must win for the Cardinals. Actually, yeah, it might have been a must win for the Cardinals because now you have a little bit more wiggle room. You were looking at five and four. Now you're six and three. You're the same record as the Seahawks, who you play on Thursday night. That's a big win. So now, speaking of the Seahawks, they lost to the Rams. So now they're six and three. The Rams are also six and three. So in the NFC West, you have the top three teams are six and three. The Cardinals are at the top, then it's the Seahawks and the Rams, but all of them are six and three. So obviously a huge win, actually, for the Cardinals, because you would have been five and four looking up at the Seahawks and Rams going into Thursday night, which now if you lose, it's less of a big deal, but it it, it was an important game for them. Seahawks, again, Russell Wilson, another bad game, man. Two interceptions, 22-37, 240 yards, and two interceptions. Granted, this Rams defense is very good. So it's not like he was just making bad decisions, right? Like this Rams defense is good. They have good defensive backs. 
Jalen Ramsey locked up DK Metcalf pretty much the entire game. Uh, and the Seahawks couldn't really get anything going. They miss. When Chris Carson is out, they miss him a lot. Because Carson's a good running back. But when he's gone, man, like they had Alex Collins, who I think the last time he played was like a few years ago with Baltimore. And now that he was their starting running back. It, it was... Their running game is not is non-existent right now until Carson gets back on the field and he's healthy. It's non-existent. And Russ is just going to have to keep throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing. And it makes them one-dimensional and teams can game plan for that. And not all of it. Like, you have to give some blame to Russell Wilson, right? You can't give all the credit to the Rams defense. Some blame goes to Russell Wilson because one of those two interceptions was really bad. Really bad. They're in the red zone. Russ scrambles out of the pocket and, you know, runs towards the line of scrimmage. And just before he's going to cross it, he throws across the field, trying to the corner of the end zone to get to receiver, picked off in the end zone, turnover. And when they show you what happened, he's running towards the line. And you could see what he sees, right? His receiver is wide open, but... The safety is back deep. So as soon as Russ throws that ball, the safety comes sprinting over for an easy pick, right? He was the it was uh a coverage by the Rams that Russell Wilson should have seen and he shouldn't have thrown that ball. And insult to injury, when they show the replay, they he has 15 yards at least before he gets touched by a opposing defender. Like, he has so much grass in front of him, he could have just ran it. He could have possibly ran it for a touchdown. There's no reason why he should have thrown that football. So, another red zone turnover for Russell Wilson. And the past three weeks now, uh, that has been a problem for him. And the Seahawks have lost three in a row. So, they got to, I mean, four in a row Thursday night would be tough. Uh, you have a rematch with the Cardinals, which, of course, they had a great game a few weeks ago going into overtime. Um, a couple chances for the Seahawks to win. Russ, of course, throwing the interception in overtime. Not great. So a chance of redemption and to get off this skid that the Seahawks are on on Thursday against Arizona. Steelers blew the doors off of the Bengals after struggling with the Cowboys last week. Still undefeated, Pittsburgh 9-0 for the first time in franchise history. Saints, 49ers, tough win for the Saints. Um, and by tough win, I mean they won 27-13, so it wasn't tough as in trying to beat the Niners, but the cost that they suffered. Drew Brees gets, uh, also Drew Brees, started him in my fantasy league for the first time in like four weeks. This is what happens. Um, he gets tackled and he punctured a lung and broke a rib on both sides of his rib cage. So they're looking at two to two to four weeks was anywhere that I heard. Um, there was possibility that he might get placed on IR. So he's going to seek a second opinion, but why risk it if you're him at your age, right? Like, I know your team, your team needs you, right? The The Buccaneers are breathing down your neck. They're 7-3. and three. The Saints are 7-2. and two. But you got to look at the upcoming schedule for the Saints. You have the Falcons twice. You have the Falcons, the Broncos, the Falcons, the Eagles. If Drew Brees has to miss those games, so be it. Those are all winnable football games for Jameis Winston. I, I believe it. Jameis Winston can beat the Falcons twice, the Broncos, and the Eagles. He can do it. But it, it's going to be tough. <laughs> like, it, the defense is, is going to have to play out of their minds, which they are capable of. Uh, but it is certainly, in my opinion... The easy call is to just keep put Drew Brees on IR and keep him out for three weeks. Reassess in three weeks when you're playing the Eagles and take it from there. 
Your last three games, Chiefs, Vikings, Panthers. All these games winnable. The Chiefs, obviously the hardest game on there. Um, but all the remaining schedule is not brutal at all. Uh, but it's it's a tough break for the Saints. Second year in a row, Brees has been injured. Um, so he'll miss multiple weeks uh, with that rib with those ribs injuries. Um, and Jameis Winston's gonna have to be the guy. We'll see what happens with him, man. I, I don't know how Sean Payton's gonna approach it. Whether he's gonna turn Jameis loose and let him throw downfield, or if he's just gonna keep it in front and you know nothing really over ten yards. Dump it off to Alvin Kamara a bunch of times. Run the football way more than they have been. I don't know. I don't know. But a, a big blow for New Orleans. And they're going to have to deal with that for... Uh, I I honestly think Drew Brees is going to go on IR. So three weeks. Sunday night game. Patriots-Ravens in a monsoon. A monsoon. In New England. Uh, Patriots won 23-17. Cam actually looked pretty good. Uh, he was 13-17, 118 yards and a touchdown. Also ran for a touchdown. Damian Harris went crazy. He didn't have a touchdown, but he ran for 121 yards on 22 carries. So Damian Harris looked really, really good. Easily the best game of his career. Uh, Lamar, he threw it 34 times in the pouring rain. I just don't really know. I don't really know why. Um, but... He threw a pick. He also ran for 55 yards. But Lamar, again, man, the Ravens, no real... Like, granted, the Steelers are 9-0, and so there's not really much they can do other than be undefeated with them, which is impossible. Um, but they're 6-3. and They're still a good team. But they just, to me, when I watch them play, they're the same team as last year. Maybe even a little worse. So... No real improvements across the board, defensively or offensively, for the Ravens. And I know I've said it before, but I just need to reestablish that now, even with this loss to New England, who's now 4-5. and five, uh, It's just, it, they, aren't, they aren't as good as they were last year, and they haven't made any improvements. I, I, I don't know. I just think they're a worse team when I watch them play. Monday night game, shout out to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins... His 10th Monday night football game. His first win on Monday night football. And it comes against the Bears. A huge win for the Vikings. Uh, they won 19-13. They are now 4-5. and five, Slowly creeping back. The Bears have now lost 4 in a row. They were 5-1. and one. They are now 5-5. Five and five. I've been saying it for weeks. The Bears freaking stink. Just... Just a bad, 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 bad football team. Uh, their defense is respectable, maybe even good, just not good enough to win your football games because you can hold your opponent to 19 points. That's all well and great. But when your offense can barely string together two touchdowns in a game, you're never going to win. I'm sorry. The offense is just really that bad. Their offensive line can't block for shit. Nick Foles is just an immobile piece of garbage in the backfield. Can't make a good throw to save his life. Isn't, again, isn't mobile. So when your offensive line is that bad, you got maybe two seconds to get rid of the football. And if you're not mobile, you're going to get sacked time and time again. It reminds me of Eli Manning in his, his late years with the Giants. Uh, the offensive line was a complete disaster. And Eli would just pretty much give himself up after like three seconds max in the pocket uh so but speaking of Nick Foles he also did get injured at the end of that game I'm not sure what the injury is um if they released that or not yet but he was carted off the field uh Matt Nagy came out and said that it wasn't as bad as we once thought he described the injury as being a combination of a strain and a bruise to the quarterback's hip slash glute area so uh Nick Foles pulled a muscle in his butt <laughs> uh but yeah I mean they didn't have David Montgomery on Monday night so Cordero Patterson was their like first string running back and he's literally a wide receiver 
Uh, Dalvin Cook, 30 carries for Dalvin Cook, 96 yards. Justin Jefferson had a great game, 135 yards. Thielen caught two touchdowns. Thielen actually came into this Monday night game against Chicago in 12 games, having only one touchdown reception. And Dalvin Cook also, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, and Thielen, top three guys really for the Vikings, uh, n- not having a good history in their in their careers against Chicago. They come into the, the game now. Cousins throws for 292 yards and a touchdown. He did have a pick. Um, not really his fault. H- hit Thielen in the arm and it kind of he bobbled it and it landed in the lap of Khalil Mack. So kind of on Thielen there. But Thielen did have two touchdowns. Jefferson had 135 yards. Cook ran for 96 yards. So the offense for the Vikings was actually pretty good. Uh, granted, they only put up 19 points, but all in all, productive with a, the history that they have of being unproductive against Chicago. Okay, so I think that'll wrap it up for this episode from my point of view. Remember, NBA draft tonight, uh, it's virtual, so it's definitely going to be different. And I'm sure there's, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of trades. I don't know why. I just feel like there's going to be some trades in this draft. Uh, just because, I just feel like because there's not a consensus number one pick. Some people are saying LaMelo. Some people are saying it's Anthony Edwards. Maybe even James Wiseman. Who knows? So, I feel like there's going to be some some wheeling and dealing in tonight's draft. Uh, and week 10's already done in the NFL, so... Moving fast. We really are moving fast. And next week, next Wednesday, college basketball starts. Super hyped for that. Uh, and we can break down some of the games maybe next week. Um, Yeah, going to be exciting stuff. But that'll do it for this week's episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all very much for listening. And I will talk to you all next Wednesday, which is Thanksgiving Eve, actually. But have a good weekend. And I'll talk to you all next week.